God like Jehovah Rapha, our healer. There's no God like Jehovah Raha, our shepherd. There's no God today like Jehovah Shammah, the God that is present. There's no God today like Jehovah Sinkadu, who is indeed our righteousness. There is no God today. There is none beside him. Nobody can stand beside him. Nobody can be above him. Nobody can be below him. He is God Jehovah all by himself. If you're glad about that today, come on and praise the Lord. Let's go to the word of the Lord this morning, please. What a wonderful presence of God that is in this place today. You know as well as I do, there's been times we've come into worship and we've not felt God a whole lot. There's been times we've sang songs and we've not really felt anything. There's been times I've preached messages and you haven't felt anything and I haven't felt anything, but I'm glad we don't live by feeling. We live by faith today. No matter what we feel, we know God is alive and God is in control. Amen? Let's go to the book of Psalms this morning, please, if you don't mind. Pastor Tony, give me just a snitch monitor, please. Sir, if you can. Got a little congestion and crud working this morning because my 14-year-old was so, so generous this week and shared morning and crack, I can't help it, just overlook it. The book of Psalms, chapter number four, today I'm going to read verses six, seven, and eight. I'm going to read from the New King James Version of the Bible. You can follow along in your Bible, on your electronic device, or on the screen behind me. Here's what David says. There are many who say, who will show us any good? Lord, and lift up the light of your countenance upon us. Verse 7. You have put gladness in my heart more than in the season that their grain and wine increase. Now I want you to pay careful attention to verse 8. I will both lie down in peace and sleep. I will both lie down in peace 
And when I lie down in peace, I'm going to sleep in peace. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. I want to take a few moments this morning. Can, anybody, can you help me back there, Chris? There's, there's three pillows that are right there. I'm going to need a little object lesson today. I just want to talk about three pillows. Three pillows today to rest on. Three pillows to rest on today. The Lord will help me. Let me get these straight. I want to talk about three pillows. We can rest our weary head on today. Father, thank you for the word of God today. Thank you for the presence of the Holy Ghost this morning. <clears throat> I sense him today, God. I sense your spirit today. God, I really feel strongly this morning that somebody today needs to hear this word and be encouraged. Father, they're facing some things. They're going through some things, God, and they woke up this morning. Though their eyes were open, God, there was not rest in their souls. And I want us to be able to rest when we leave here today. I thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, the church said amen. And God bless you today. You can be seated. Thank you for standing, Pastor Tony. Seems as if every time I walk back on this platform from one Sunday to the next, that something else has transpired and happened in our messed up, crazy, sick world. We have watched this week as a lady named Kim Davis, clerk of the court in Kentucky, has been jailed and, as far as I know, continues to sit in jail for her refusal to issue a marriage license for a same-sex couple. Whoever thought that we would see the day when people who would stand for their beliefs and defy a Supreme Court order, and if my civics mind is correct that the Supreme Court does not issue laws of the land. Uh, anyway, that's another sermon for another day. She defied the order that goes against her beliefs. Whoever thought we'd see the day people would be in jail standing for what they believe in. I believe you'll agree with me this morning when I tell you this is a busy, mixed up, messed up, and distressed world that we are living in. True. Emotional distress and disorder was the plague of the last century. It's quickly become the plague of this century. People everywhere find themselves living without desire, without motivation, and without hope. New words and phrases that describe this desperate state have made their way into our dictionaries and our vocabularies. Words like burnout, anxiety attack, manic depressive, schizophrenia, neurosis, and the list goes on and on. The bookshelves in our bookstores are full of books that teach us and tell us what we can do to relieve stress, from meditation to eating certain foods to 
doing certain exercises. It's even crept its way into the pulpits of our churches through something I call the how-to sermons. How to conquer fear. How to win over worry. How to laugh when you feel like crying. How to bounce back after failure. And then you have your what to do sermons. What to do when you feel like giving up. What to do when you feel like no one cares. Here's one of my all-time favorites I've heard. What to do when you don't know what to do. <laughs> the point is this. It's obvious Come on. that our society, Pastor Tony, lives on a powder keg that could blow at any moment. There is something that I have discovered over the years. Though I'm not really old, I've lived almost 40 years, so I have a little bit of knowledge on some things, not nearly as much as some of you, because that, you know why that is, because you're much older than I am. But here's something I've discovered. It doesn't matter how tense and threatening life becomes. It doesn't matter how mixed up and crazy life becomes. It doesn't matter that if day after day we find ourselves facing one crisis after the next. The bottom line is this. When you pillow your head in the evening and your eyelids close out another day, if you've got something to believe in, if you've got something to hold on to, if you've got something that is constant, something that remains, something that's been tried and proven, you will make it. Let me tell you what will keep you from cracking up in this crazy world we're living in. It is knowing that we have found something in our walk and our relationship with Jesus Christ that sustains us and keeps us. It may not give us immediate answers, but we trust it over the long haul to be the thing that we need in our life to help us and see us through the trials and the difficulties. It's, it's, it's what David wrote to us in Psalm 63, verses 1 through 8, when he said, Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee. In a dry and thirsty land where there is no water to see thy power and thy glory so as I have seen thee in thy sanctuary. Because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. Thus will I bless thee. While I live, I will lift up my hands in thy name. My soul shall be satisfied as with morrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. When I remember thee upon my bed, and I meditate upon thee in the night watches, because thou hast been my help, therefore in the shadow of your wings will I rejoice. My soul follows hard after you. Your right hand upholds with me. That's where it all sets in. At the end of the day, 
David said, when I, when I pillow my head, when I pull myself into bed and I lay down upon my bed and I meditate upon thee in the night watches, that's where it all sets in. When you climb into bed and you pillow your head, there better be something constant in your life that helps you to sleep. Close your eyes and close out another day and wake up facing a new one knowing that everything is going to be all right. I want to take just a few moments this morning if my voice will allow me. And I may not get the volume that I want to get, but it'll be all right. It just feels better when I get a little bit louder, but it'll be okay. <clears throat> and talk to you about three pillows that you can rest on in this chaotic, crazy time that we find ourselves in right now in this world. Three pillows that you can rest on in the midst of the crazy, chaotic life that you may be living right now. Here's the first pillow. It is the pillow of divine providence. That is the pillow that says that God cares for you and God has a plan for your life. David said in Psalm 31 and 15, he said, Oh God, my times are in your hands. Listen, we must learn to recognize the leading of God upon our lives. We are not here to chart our own course. We are not here to map out our own destiny and figure everything out. But listen, God has a plan for your life. And God has a plan for my life. Jeremiah 29 and 11 declares, I know the faults that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. To give you a hope, to give you a future, and to give you an expected end. But many times we become impatient with the timing of God. And Peter said in 2 Peter 3 and 8 that a day with the Lord is as a thousand years and a thousand years as a day. God has a plan for our lives. Came across a story some time ago. Talks about a young 32-year-old man by the name of William Cowper. And at 32 years of age, Mr. Cowper found himself depressed, despondent, and even suicidal. Way back in the 1800s, he schedules a carriage driver to come by and pick him up one night and take him down to the Thames River. That carriage driver upon seeing what Mr. Cowper is getting ready to do to jump into that river and end his life, he gets out of the carriage and pulls Mr. Cowper back in, takes him back home, drops him off. Mr. Cowper, so depressed and so despondent, takes some poison that night and he drinks it. Somebody just happens to come by his house and give him the proper antidote for that poison. That same night, the story said that Mr. Cowper took a knife wanting to fall upon that blade. And when he did, the story said that the knife blade broke. Mr. Cowper goes to bed that night, still depressed, still suicidal, gets up that morning and says, I'll give it one more try. And he ties a noose around his neck to hang himself. A neighbor had become concerned about him and had dropped by to check on him. And when he walks in, he sees Mr. Cowper hanging there, cuts him down. And once again, his life is spared. I'm talking about a plan that God has for you. 
And Mr. Cowper, who was at his wit's end, didn't know what to do. He finally surrendered his heart to Christ. He found the Lord and God completely changed him and he struck up a friendship with a man, with a man by the name of John Newton great hymn writer. He and Mr. Newton collaborated on several, several different hymns. Obviously, John Newton is well known for Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound, Saved a Wretch Like Me. But he and Mr. Cowper collaborated on several different hymns, and there's one that Mr. Cowper wrote that's not nearly as well known as Amazing Grace, but one day he put pen to parchment. I believe writing from his experience, Brother Turpin, he wrote and penned these words, God moves in a mysterious way. His wonders to perform. He sets his footstep on the sea and he rides upon the storm. Deep and unfathomable mind of never-ending skill, he treasures up his bright designs and works his sovereign will. Judge not the Lord by feeble sense, but trust him for his grace. For behind a frowning providence, he hides a smiling face. And Mr. Cowper discovered that God indeed had a plan for his life and as hard as he tried and as hard as he worked, he could not end the life that God had designed and that God had created. God has a plan for your life. God has a plan for my life. And our times are in the very hands of God Almighty. What he decrees, what he determines, and what he says is indeed what God will bring to pass. And you can rest your head tonight on the pillow of divine providence knowing that God has a plan for your life. But many times, panic will set in. We feel like time is slipping, and so we try and force things to happen in our lives, and we try to force things and make things happen outside the plan of God. Job seemed to be panic-stricken in Job 14 and 5. All that he had been through and all that he had walked through in the, in the not even quite the middle part of that chapter, you can hear the panic in Job's voice when he says that, that God, there, there, there are limits to our days. You've only given us certain months and so many months that we can live and you have set limits that we cannot go beyond. You can hear the panic coming from Job's voice as he looks at everything that's happening. He says, God, I, I can't figure this out. Sometimes when we feel that squeeze of time, we want to force the hand of God and manipulate the hand of God and try to kick doors open for ourselves. But listen, you've got to find a place in your life that you can rest on the pillow of divine providence and know that God has you in the palm of his hand and that your time is indeed in the hands of Almighty God. Moses thought he had God in his timing. Is everybody all right? You all right? Moses thought that he had God in his time. He had all figured out. And he tried to force things and he tried to make things happen and it backfired on him because listen, Moses, Moses, the Bible says that at Acts 7.25, he supposed that his brethren would know how that God by his hand would deliver them out of Egypt's bondage. But the Bible says they understood not. And Moses walks out one day because he believes in his heart that he's heard from God. And that God is going to raise him up to deliver the Israelites out of Egypt's bondage and he walks out. And he finds a Hebrew and an Egyptian fighting. And Moses takes matters into his own hands by the turpin and he murders the Egyptian. Buries him in the sand and tries to hide and to cover his sin. 
Because in his mind, he's figured it out. This is the way he's going to bring Israel out of Egyptians' bondage. He walks back out the next day and he finds two of his own countrymen, two Hebrews that are fighting. And he says to them, what's going on here? Why are you fighting? One of them looks at him and says, what are you going to do? You're going to kill us too. And at that moment, Moses knew that he had made a mistake. And he finds himself all of a sudden on the backside of a desert for the next 40 years tending sheep. God, this is not the way that I thought it was going to end. This is not the way. This is not the plan that I had for my life. I thought you said I was going to be the deliverer of my people. God, it's all messed up now. What happened to your plan? There may be some things that God told you that you were going to do and some places you were going to go and some, some ministry, some things in ministry or work or life you were going to do and it's not happening. Listen, don't let the devil lie to you and tell you that it's over. God has a plan for your life. Listen, make friends while you're in the desert. Make friends in the dry place. Make friends with the wilderness. Let God teach you and let God change you. Because I believe that Proverbs is true, that the steps of a good man are indeed ordered of the Lord. God has your life. Somebody needs to know God has you in the palm of his hand. And he's got a plan and he's working it for your good. Come on and praise him if you're glad about that. Here's the second pillow that we rest on. It is the pillow of divine provision. The Bible tells us in Deuteronomy 33 that Moses, excuse me, that Moses is in the last days of his life. He is preparing to bless the 12 sons of Jacob. He gets down to a boy by the name of Asher. And in Deuteronomy 33 and 25, here's what Moses says. He says to Asher, may you dip your foot in oil. He says, your shoes shall be as iron and brass. And then he says something very interesting. Brother Stout, he says, as thy days are, so shall thy strength be. As thy days are, so shall thy strength be. You know what that means? That means that the strength that God gives you is in direct proportion to whatever is going on in that day in your life. He won't give you too little. He won't give you too much. But whatever you need that day, God will give you exactly what you need on that day. God infuses you with enough strength to deal with whatever the day demands. Listen, there's not one thing that you are facing that you cannot get 
through. But whatever the day demands, God will dish out exactly what you need. Whatever you need on a Monday, God says, I've got what you need for Monday. What you need on a Tuesday, God says, I've got exactly what you need on a Tuesday. Whatever you need on a Wednesday, God says, I've got what you need on a Wednesday. Listen, what God gave you on a Monday, it ain't going to work for Thursday or Friday. But whatever the day demands, God will give you the strength that you need to face that day and to handle every crisis and to handle every situation and to handle every circumstance. David said in Psalm 28 and 1, God is my strength and he is my shield. Psalm 46 and 1, the Bible said, God is my refuge and my strength. He is a present help in time of trouble. Psalm 73 and 26, the writer said, my flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and he is indeed my portion forever. Whatever you need, God said, as thy days are, so shall thy strength be. God has what you need today. And it is the pillow of divine provision that we can rest our heads upon. There's no need so great that God can't take care of it. And you may be here this morning and you're not certain how you're going to make it. You may be here today and you're not completely certain how God's going to provide and how God's going to take care of and how God's going to, going to do exactly everything you need him to do so you can have what it is that you need to have. And I want somebody today in this place to know that you can go home tonight and you can rest your head on the pillow of divine provision because God is going to take care of every single need that you have. You can rest in his provision today. What kind of God is he? Pastor, what is it that God can do? What is it that God can provide? I came across something a long time ago. And this person took the 26 letters of the alphabet to describe exactly who God is. Can I, can I share that with you for just a moment? They said A is for architect because he's the chief cornerstone. B is for baker because he is the bread of life. C is for captain because he pilots my ship. D is for dictator because he is the king of kings. E is for electrician because he delivers the power. F is for fisherman because he is the great catch. G is for gondola because he carries me across to the other side. H is for horn. He is the one that I hold on to. I is for Emmanuel because he is God with us. J is for jury because he has the final judgment. K is for kinsman because he brought, bought me with a price. L is for lion because he is indeed the king of the jungle. M is for metabolism because he gives me strength. N is for neurologist because he controls my thoughts and my actions. O is for optometrist because he clears my vision. P is for potter because he molds me and he shapes me. Q is for quarterback because he calls the play. R is for Rand McNally because as long as you've got him, you'll never get lost. S is for shepherd because he leads me and he guides me. T is for tenant because he abides in me. U is for ultimate because beside him there is none other. V is for vivacious because he gives me life and liberty. W is for ward because he has the keys to death, hell, and the grave. X is for x-ray because he sees white right through me. Y is for yo-yo because he always returns. And Z is for zest because he gives 
gets me fully clean. I'm telling you, that's the kind of God that we are serving today. Whatever you need, whatever life may look like, I'm telling you, he still owns the cattle on a thousand hills. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. My God still can supply every single need that you have according to his riches and his glory. Rest your head today on the pillow of divine provision. God will take care of you. Somebody praise the Lord. to rest 
on the pillow of divine protection. We're living in a time just like that right now. Oh, I'm glad today, Pastor Tony, that I don't have to be bound by fear. I don't have to live in a state of anxiety, in a state of worry, wondering if I'm next, if somebody's going to shoot me, if somebody's going to break in my house, if somebody's going to do this or do that. I'm telling you, we are divinely protected by the presence and the power and the care of an almighty God. There is a, a, a verse of scripture, a chapter in Psalms. It's the 91st division of the Psalms, and I love it. And the writer said this, he who dwells in the secret place of the most high God shall abide under the shadow of the almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge, my fortress, my God. In him will I trust. Surely he shall deliver me from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He will cover me with his feathers and under his wings I will take refuge. His truth shall be my shield and my buckler. I will not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand will fall at my side and ten thousand at my right hand, but it will not come near me because, because I have made the Lord who is my refuge, even the most high my dwelling place, no evil shall befall me. No plague will come near my dwelling. He will give his angels charge over me to keep me in all of my ways and in their hands they will bear me up lest I dash my foot against a stone. I will tread upon the lion and the cobra. The young lion I will trample underfoot and the serpent I will trample underfoot the psalmist said and because he has set his love upon me therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He will call upon me and I will answer him. I'll be with him in trouble. I'll deliver him and honor him. And he closed it out in verse 16 by saying, with long life I will satisfy him. I'm telling you today that the angels of God are watching over us. I'm telling you today there's a secret place that we can dwell in. There's a place in the presence of God that we can live in. I don't have to go to bed with fear. I don't have to wake up with fear. I don't have to live my life with fear, but I can dwell in the secret place of the Most High God. There is a shadow I can run to. There is provision in His presence, and I can rest my head on the pillow of divine protection today. If you're glad about that, come on and praise the Lord. The Bible tells us in Psalm 23 and 6, that goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life. Come here, goodness. Come here, mercy. Y'all just, you get behind him. Now listen. I believe that the angels of God, according to Scripture, have charge over us to keep us all of our ways. And when I wake up in the morning, wherever I go, goodness and mercy, you just follow me. And I put my two feet on the bed. I, out of that, I get out of bed, put my two feet on the floor. And I make my way into the bathroom. Goodness and mercy, follow me. When I 
come out of that room and I go into my dining room. I get a bowl out of the cabinet and I pull out some Fruit Loops, Fruity Pebbles, or Cinnamon Toast Crunch. And I pour me some milk over that and I sit down. Guess who followed me into my kitchen, Kenny Hancock? Goodness and mercy. And when I get done doing that, I walk out on my patio. And I sit down and overlook that wonderful view that God has blessed us with. And I start having my quiet time. There's one chair there, but there's a few vacant chairs, Psalm Virgin. Goodness and mercy have sat down right beside me. When I get up from that from that balcony, from that patio. I walk into my house. I kiss my wife goodbye. Listen, I get in my car. I pull out of my garage. I make a right-hand turn on the fairway view drive. Guess who is going along with me, Brother Bill? Goodness and mercy are following me. When I get to that yield sign, I bear right onto Turnberry Lane. Guess who is going along behind me? Goodness and mercy are following me. When I get off of Turnberry Lane, I turn right onto Route 8. Guess who is still behind me. Goodness and mercy are following me. When I drive down to Route 8 and I make a left onto Meadow Creek, guess who is still behind me? Goodness and mercy are following me. As I drive down to Meadow Creek and I hang a right there at that hospital, I get up to Interstate 81 and guess who is still with me? Goodness and mercy are still following me. When I get off on exit 98, I make a left-hand turn. I come down to the stoplight. Guess who's still behind me? Goodness and mercy are still following me when I turn right on the Bob White Boulevard I make my way down to this office guess who is still behind me goodness and mercy are still following me when I turn into this parking lot I get out of my car I walk into this building I sit down in my office in my desk guess who is still behind me goodness and mercy are still following me everywhere I go and no matter what I do the angels of God Ronnie Burton are watching over me and goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life I am divinely protected by the presence of almighty God come on and praise the Lord goodness and mercy. No matter where I go, no matter what I do, goodness and mercy are following me all the days of my life. If I go to the job site, they're there. If I go to the hospital, they're there. If I go to the funeral home, goodness and mercy follow me. Welcome the Holy Ghost. Thank you, goodness and mercy.
place you turn, every corner you've turned, every door you can think of has slammed in your face, but God's got a plan. That promotion you thought you were going to get, that job you thought you were next in line for, and somebody else got it. Listen, God's got a plan. What the devil's meant for bad, God's going to turn around and make it work for good. You can rest on divine providence. And no matter what kind of need you may have, Pastor, I don't know how we're going to make it on one income. He's divine provision. I don't know how we're going to pay for child care. He's divine provision. I don't know how I'm going to pay for the surgery. He's divine provision. Pastor, I don't know how I'm going to do it. I got more going out than I do coming in. He's divine provision. Pastor, I don't know where the next meal is coming from. He's divine provision. God's going to take care of every single need you have. Pastor, I know what I'm doing. I'm going to stand for the truth of the word of God because I'm divinely protected by his hand. 